0: Welcome to Planet Tour, where we who tell stories, rule this world. I am Yuck Nasty, and I am your guide into our world that's filled with sights and sounds, both wonderful and frightening. Frightening, frightening. Filled with sights and sounds, both wonderful and frightening.
1: Spare some change,
2: sir. One beggar to another. Mr. Darien Rennes could have made his point to the homeless pile of rags simply by continuing his pace down the busy sidewalk, allowing his suit, cufflinks, briefcase, watch and shoes to melt into the downtown lights on the other side of the street, melting in where they belonged. Maybe it was the unusual nature of the rags' request It compelled Darian to offer a four-word response. I'm not a beggar.
1: You do beg, sir. Still, how about a donation to an opposite? A businessman to a time traveler? Huh? The former is bound by time, while the latter transcends it. Opposites.
2: So, time traveling, it's a poetic way of describing unemployment? I wasn't being poetic, sir. The traffic signal changed from walk to stop. Darian had to stay on the street corner with the talking rag pile. Listen, I don't know what you've been snorting or smoking to make you hallucinate like this, but I'm not in the habit of throwing money at the unemployed or of being a beggar. You do beg, sir. You've always begged. Expecting some political critique of his career, Darian turned away. The head of the rags leaned in his direction.
1: You're on your way to get your son out of daycare, aren't you, Mr. Renus? John got another disciplinary note from the teacher, I think. Excuse me? To think there was a time John almost died in infancy from a particularly severe case of spinal muscular atrophy. You begged then. You begged to anyone who could hear you.
2: I don't know what game you're playing, Con Man or Gypsy or whatever you are. But while I don't know where you got my name and the name of my son, your information is bogus beyond that. My son has always been a fine, healthy boy. Of course. You begged that he would be so.
1: The same way you begged for your wife Teresa to not die in childbirth. The same way you begged you would have the strength not to faint when Teresa walked down the aisle towards you. The same way you begged when you saw her at a campus party wishing you weren't already sleeping with Victoria Serena.
2: Whoa, trying to blackmail me now? I'll have you know I never slept with any woman apart from my wife and I'll take an oath in court I know you didn't.
1: You did proposition Victoria, but she rejected you for a reason she wouldn't explain. It tore you up until you met Teresa, didn't it? What? You've been a beggar all your life, Darian. You begged to be accepted into a prime business college, putting you into that fancy suit you're wearing. You begged for your father. He he would overcome his cancer to live another year, or two, or five. You begged in midair, falling off a cliff face during a rock climb when your tether snapped.
2: I've never been rock climbing. Darian protested, although he had never found out why the park had unexpectedly closed that day.
1: Like I said, you
2: begged,
1: wishing in a moment of free fall that the climb had never happened.
2: Listen, cut it out. Everything you've been spinning here is nonsense, pure fiction and fantasy. Nothing you've said has ever happened in my past. And for the last time, I do not beg.
1: And for the last time, you do beg. You're begging right now. On one hand, you're begging for that traffic signal to change to walk. If only it had stayed on walk longer in the first place, right? You're begging the way people begged when the British stomped out the American colonies' rebellion. In the way the British begged when the Third Reich overtook them. The way I and my people begged when the Time Stream Control Act of 1966 was signed into law. Everybody begs, Mr. Renus. And there's one thing most people beg for all the time whether or not they know it (sighs) you like everyone else on this street like everyone else in this world are begging to know no powers beyond the ones you can
2: control a hand and wrist emerged from the rags a wrist with a massive gold-plated watch full of unreadable dials another hand appeared to twist the watch face. I'm not a beggar. Mr. Darian Rennes, suit, briefcase and all, walked straight past a homeless person's pile of empty rags. The walk sign on the traffic signal was still on. He picked up his steps, making it across the street with the rest of the crowd. He made it to the parking garage ahead of time and at this rate He'd be at his son's daycare in no time, ready to give the teacher a piece of his mind about John's latest disciplinary note. Nobody had better interrupt him on his way there. A city worker in a brilliant yet nondescript high-visibility vest watched Mr. Rennis go. Seeing him make it to the parking garage, the worker got out the needed tools to adjust the traffic lights back to their normal timing.
0: Everybody begs, Mr. Renus. Everybody begs, whether they know it or not. That was, Do Angels Brag? by author Benjamin Sonic. Our next short story is about a serial killer whose delusions and hallucinations are driving him to the end of his rope. We hope you enjoy Invisible Sunrise by Jed Vesper. My wife has begun to suspect about the murders. I've been careful. Got away with it for about 18 months. I carved them up, buried them, watched my own back. Yet she has begun to suspect. Too many late nights at work. I have to find a way to silence her. The long, heavy knife waits beneath the bed. She caresses my cheek, but her eyes cannot conceal the suspicions she harbors. I have to find a way to silence her. I close my eyes against the betrayal. As I lie there in the cold and the dark, I do not comprehend. It seems that I am in a very confined space. My senses become hypercharged. I smell the damp earth. I hear the scratching of the tiny insects. Feel the hard, cheerless touch of a wooden prison. My sight pierces. The darkness and comprehension dawns. I lie within a coffin, and yet I do not, my perspective is not one of upward vision, gravity is defied, I'm pressed against the coffin lid looking down. There are inches of space between myself and the other occupant of this box, a face of shriveled, discolored skin. And stitched eyeballs fills my field of vision. Now I smell blue dressings. The nose is almost completely decayed. The lips are rotted, receding to reveal a wretched grin. Teeth, though far from white, are even and all present. Shoulder-length hair, brunette. The smell of a familiar fruit becomes pungent in my nostrils. Terrible realization begins to seep into my consciousness as I focus now on the pendant around the papyrus skin of the corpse's neck. A gold heart bearing the simple initial E. Elizabeth, my mother, That was it The shampoo she always used was fragrance with apricots With an ear-wrenching sound, the stitches give way around the eyelids And rip free of the dead skin Eyes, the color and texture of rotten black grapes Stare blindly at me and she admits the most soul-destroying screech imaginable. My own scream will not come. I squeeze shut my eyes. The screeching stops. The temperature rises. Almost against my will, my eyes snap open again, and I gaze upon the face of my father, cremated two weeks ago, dead from a broken heart, following the premature death of my mother, 18 months previously, from a brain hemorrhage. The heat intensifies, His skin darkens, Seems to ripple. I endeavor to shut my eyes. I cannot. His hair ignites, flames spreading like a micro forest fire. His eyes begin to bubble. Flesh turns black. Epidermis peels away, and my sanity seems to peel away with it. My eyes close against the heat. And the roar of the flames, silence. Seeing once again, greens, reds, pinks, whites, yellows, more still, blindingly bright, intermittent in nanoseconds, rhythmic thunder, booming in my ears in my head tangled humanity sweat soaked frenzied limbs flailing my vision zooms in on another individual in this frantic mess of bodies my daughter she lies on the floor choking on her own vomit they trample her as though she is nothing more than an extension of the dirt floor. A disembodied voice announces the changing of the track. Momentarily, the thunder stops and the thrashing of the people ceases. Then it begins again with a quickened rhythm. She lies motionless now. Is dead the pain the lights have gone the music has stopped and the pain has begun it's coming from behind the base of my skull excruciating penetrating in a deep and physical way I'm in a bedroom in our bed My wife is by the wall. The last thing she had said to our daughter was to take care at the rave. Now she is silent by the wall. On the wall. Her feet are not touching the ground. (laughs) The hilt of the large knife protrudes from her mouth. The blade is buried in the wall, pinning her by the skull. She dangles, dripping and twitching. The pain inside me crescendos. I find my scream and it splits the night, even as my whole being tears apart. And then tranquility, ecstasy, Unquestioning love, feeling so mixed, so welcome. The ripping of my skull, and then my body becomes a silent, slow-motion explosion. I find myself, myself surrounded by a flock of red, submerged in all an encompassing sea of blackness soulmates, fellow travelers, (laughs) then a greater presence, something akin to an invisible sunrise. Unseen, yet awesome. And I am filled with the diametrical opposed emotions of humility and pride. Yet these emotions only exist as one. Just as we exist as one, chosen for a purpose that we do not yet know, a purpose that we may never understand. As we float in this endless blackness, red fragments of a greater whole, none of that reality matters. It is enough to know that we are. Hey, did you recognize our new raconteurian on that one? <laughs> the last story of the night is our new favorite by Bobby Anthem. In it, our old friend meets a new friend. Here is What You singing About.
3: Devil one day. Drinking coffee at my favorite breakfast cafe. Devil's looking at me while I was reading my paper. What you want? I asked the devil. Ain't never about what I want, devil says. Always about what you want. Don't want nothing, I says. I look like a guy who wants something. Devil just shrugged. I got me a good woman, I says. Devil just says, "Uh uh-huh. And he was agreeing. Got me a pair of twin girls, sweet and spicy as gingerbread. Love they daddy. "Mm Mm-hmm, was all the devil says couldn't disagree. Got me a good job. Gonna send my girls to school and buy my woman a fine little house. Sure that, devil says. And he wasn't disagreeing with me. So I went back to reading my paper. Devil was still looking at me. What you want, I asked the devil. Ain't never about what I want, devil says. So I folded up my paper and I says, guess the only thing is, always wanted to sing the blues.
0: Trip to Planet Racket Tour on behalf of myself and our other two fine tours, Papa Dave and Bobby Anthem. We would like to thank you for listening. All of the stories presented on Planet Racket Tour are used by permission or are in the public domain. Check out the show notes for the details on the authors, their websites, and their other releases. Hey, much love, and thanks again for visiting the Planet Raconteur.